Well, last week was a very busy week for me. Um, I really didn't have any time to uh, prepare my sermon, so we're going to get done a little bit early today. And so I want to thank you for being with us. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did come prepared. But I know some of you were thinking, hey, that's pretty cool. We get out of here. Some of you might be thinking, well, wait a second, I'm expecting a sermon. How many of you are expecting a sermon? Some of you might have been glad, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's just Richard. <laughs> what are your expectations when you come into a worship service? You know, to what extent is it our worship team's responsibility or my responsibility to engage you in worship? What is, what is our role together as we come together this morning to worship God? Because that's what we're here for, right? That's what worship is. We've come together to give our attention to God, to focus on Him, to bow down before Him, to give Him His rightful place in our life. And so this is a worship activity. But what are your expectations when you come together in this type of environment? We've got some expectations for what worship is about, right? And so what was your initial thought when you thought, wow, we're not going to have a sermon? Do you have an expectation that there's going to be a sermon? Yeah, there is. There's a difference between when we come together and we worship, and then there's also something that's called inspiring worship. And so what's the difference between your being here and receiving and your being here and being inspired and having an encounter with God? What's the difference between worship and inspiring worship? You see, we want to we help people to experience the power and presence of God in their life. We want people to experience inspiring worship, not just coming together like we're here, you know, I'm praying this year that God would pour out his spirit in our congregation, that we would experience the power and presence of God in a way that we just have a sense of awe about his presence. You know, we, uh, for the last several years, have been working on different themes. We started off, I've been in this position now for um, coming up on two years. And so my first year coming into this, we were really focused on, on, uh, on our unity. You know, we want to be unified as God moves us into what he has for us together. And last year, we were focused on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit permeating our lives. We want to be dependent on God. And this year, I've been praying specifically that our congregation would have a sense of awe about what he's doing in their life. Because it's that sense of awe that God uses to attract others to himself. They kept meeting together. There was favor amongst themselves. And there was a sense of awe among the believers that others were attracted to. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And so if we're going to reach our community for Christ, if we're going to be effective at helping others to understand the hope that we have within ourselves, it starts with us. There has to be a sense of awe about what God's doing in our own life. Why would anybody want to be attracted to something that's ho-hum and droll? There needs to be a sense of awe when we come together. And the difference between a worship service and an inspiring worship service has everything to do with what we brought with us when we all came together this morning. Does that make sense? And so worship is just as much about what you brought with you as it is about what you're going to receive while you're here. The sermon is important. Our worship is important. The music's important. Our prayer is important. Our tithes and offerings are important. Our serving together. We're all using our spiritual gifts to build up this body of Christ together. That's important. There's something about what happens when we come together. That's what we looked at two weeks ago, how important it is that we are together. But today we want to look at what does an inspiring worship service look like? And so if you brought your Bible with you, we're in Genesis chapter 4. 
If you're watching online, um, down in the bottom you'll find a little uh, link uh, to a Bible app, and so you can open up uh, your Bible app, or you can follow along with the Bible. Uh, if you got to Genesis chapter 4, it's really easy to find. It's right at the very beginning. So we're in the book of Genesis. I love Genesis. I, the book of Genesis is really a good book. I get excited every time I get through there because, because it tells us about God's plan for us. You know, Genesis chapter 1 reveals to us the origin of the world that we live in. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so as you read through Genesis chapter 1, it talks about the origin of the world in which we live and which we find ourselves today. And as you moved into chapter 2, you see what sets us apart. It talks about the difference between humans and his creation. We, God has created us with a different intent than he did with my dog or the animals or the cows or the trees. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for us, and we each have roles. And so we see the roles. We see the roles between a man and a woman. We see, the, we see God's design for us in marriage. We see the family hierarchy as it's defined by God in Genesis chapter 2. We get all about who we are as humans and, and our roles and how we relate to one another. And then as you get to Genesis chapter 3, you see the root of our brokenness. We see the root of our brokenness. We see the results of the condition that we live in. And everything that we have, everything that you see around that's messed up right now comes from Genesis chapter 3. And so if you want to understand the brokenness that we're experiencing right now, look to Genesis chapter 3. Everything falls in Genesis chapter 3. And so that explains to us the root of our brokenness. And as you move into chapter 4, what you find is you see that there's consequences for that brokenness. We see there's consequences for that brokenness. And we see that our fellowship and our worship with God is impacted by that. And as you move into chapter 4, we see the story of Cain and Abel. And so we're going to learn some lessons from, from their lives this morning that we can learn the difference between what is worship and what is expiring worship and how can, we ex- how can we aspire to more than what God has for us through their lives. We're in Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and she bore a son, Cain. And she says, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. I've given birth to a son with the help of the Lord. Now, if I was Adam, I'd be sitting there going, well, I played a part in it. <laughs> Carolyn was pregnant, and I always walked around going, we're having a baby. I always threw myself in there like, you know, I had some big part of the plan. But I love what Eve says here. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. That, that gotten is I have received a son because of the help of the Lord. And then she also gave birth to a son named Abel. Abel was the keeper of the sheep. Cain, Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. Cain brought fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry. His face fell. Verse 6 says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not know well, if you do not do well, then sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. The desire in that rule, the desire in that rule is the same desire and rule that we see in Genesis 3 between the the role of a husband and a wife. Because of sin that has entered into the world, the woman's desire is to to rule over her husband, and the husband's desire is contrary to what God's design was as well. So sin entered into the world, and it's created problems in our relationships, and we see that right here. And what God's telling Cain is, hey, look, if you will do well, if you'll live by my standards, you're going to be accepted, but... If you don't, sin is crouching at that door. It's desirous for you, 
but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on this earth. And so we live in this world that has been plagued by sin. God tells Adam that cursed is the ground that you're going to be working, and now we see here a curse is also going to fall on Cain because of what he's done. You know, somehow we've gotten from this perfect family. We see, we see a, a husband and a wife. They're having kids. Everything's great. The kids grew up in church. They're bringing their offering to the Lord. Everything's good in this family. And then all of a sudden, we switch the, 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 the switch flips, and, and we go from this happy family to murder. How on earth does that happen? How can we go from the perspective that everything's going well in our life, and all of a sudden, I'm faced with the difficulty of murder? How did we get there? How do things go wrong with the worship service? Cain and Abel are bringing their offering to the Lord. It says in verse 4, and, the, and Abel brought his too. And then, and, then, and, then, and, then the, and then God looked down and he had regard for Abel, but not for Cain's. What, what happened in their worship service that all of a sudden there was a, a problem? There was something happened at that offering service that affected the course of their lives. I mean, can you imagine coming to church on Sunday morning, you're having a great Sunday, and all of a sudden you walk out of here, and everything's wrong. Cain and Abel went to bring their offering before the Lord, and something went astray. What was that? You know, there's a difference between an offering and a good offering. There's a difference between worship and inspiring worship. And the difference between those things has everything to do with what is on our hearts. You see, we're the ones that get to participate in that decision about whether this worship service is going to be inspiring or not. It begins with what's on our hearts. And if we're going to, have, if we're going to experience inspiring worship, we have got to be clear about our identity. We've got to be clear about our identity if we're going to experience inspiring worship. You know that you are not an accident. You are not here by accident. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. You are not an accident, and you need to understand your identity. God has created you with a plan and a purpose for your life, and and that's exciting to think about that, isn't it? We need to be clear on our identity if we're going to experience inspiring worship. That's where it starts. You know, we saw back in Genesis, beginning in verse 1, Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore a son. I have received a son with the help of the Lord. God created Cain and Abel. You know, children are a gift to the Lord. Our children, I mean, I, I made a joke because I did participate in some way, but the bottom line, some things have to happen for cells to reproduce. There's got to be, you know, what causes that to happen? You might be able to grow a, a goat in a bowl. You might be able to, to get test tube babies, but what causes that process to happen? God has created all of us. It's because of him that we exist. We exist because he willed it. 
That's a part of our identity. You need to know that you exist because God wanted you here. You know, we've got Adam and Eve were created by God. He raised Adam and Eve out. He raised Adam out of the dust. He took Eve away from the rib. And now we see here, he's given them children. God is the author and creator of life. And not only did he create them, but he had a plan for them. Abel was a keeper of sheep. That was his role. He got a job. And then you see Cain was a worker of the ground. And so not only did God create these two young men, but he gave them responsibilities. He gave them a job. You know, God has created us with a plan and a purpose. We're not just arbitrarily running around, bumping around. God's got a a plan and a purpose for your life. A part of that's understanding what your spiritual gift is and, and how it relates to being a part of the body of Christ. But God's given you skills and a talent, and, and you've got those things that, that God uses to provide for yourself. You know, working is good. You know, before the centered entered the world, during that perfect design, even before he even came on the scene, God placed Adam in the middle of the garden to work it. And he didn't find it. He didn't have a suitable helper, and so we have Eve. And so work is designed. It's not a result of the fall. And so you have a job, not because this world is sinful. You might have a bad job, but, but we work as a part of God's design. We have been created to work. And God's given you talents and gifts and skills to be able to do what you do. Everything that you do is by, by the grace of God. And so you did not work yourself up to this position. God enabled you to move up to that position. You might have studied and, and been really smart, and you might be really well-educated, but God gave you the ability to remember and to memorize and to think. I wish you had given me more of that. <laughs> Sometimes I read things. It's like, oh, I forgot. It's like, God, help me. Some of you read things and it's like it goes right in there and you just remember it. And I'm like, oh, that's a gift. God's given us these abilities and these talents. God has created you and he has a plan for you. When God called Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, Before you were even conceived, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And before you were even born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I had something for you before you were even born. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. God has a plan and a purpose for you. God calls his people Israel. In Isaiah 43, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created... For my glory, who I formed and who I made. You are not an accident. God has created you with a plan and a purpose, and that's a part of your identity. You're not, you're not just some arbitrary, random person. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. That's what we looked at last week when we were looking at that Ephesians 2.10, where his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for the good works that God has prepared in advance. God prepared things for you before you were even born so you could walk in them. God saved you. He called you into a relationship with himself so that you could accomplish what he has for you to do. That's your identity. And when we come together to worship, we don't just stumble in and go, okay, what have they got for me this morning? We come to here to recognize God's created me. He wants me here. He wants a relationship with me. I get to worship him. And inspiring worship has in its foundation the idea that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Our identity is critical if we're going to experience inspiring worship. When you come in this morning, when you're thinking, wow, God created me? I've been created by God? Brett Fowler and I 
met yesterday for a few moments. He was having a meeting um, with Tim Perry, the president of our Nationwide Chaplains Association. So Brett is going to be trained and he's getting certified as one of our community chaplains. Right now, I'm a community chaplain, and Joseph is a chaplain, and, and we need more community chaplains because there's, there's so much pain in our community. We have, we have so many opportunities to, to connect with and, and, and reach people with a hope. It's a missions field out there, and so Brett's being trained as a community chaplain, and so we were sitting there waiting for Tim to get there, and, and so uh, I, I love talking to Brett. He said, I am so excited to be here. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I can't believe I get to do this. I think about my life, where I was right now. I think about what Christ has done in my life. He goes, look where I am right now. I'm being trained to be a chaplain. I was like, man, if you'd asked me 25, look where I am. <laughs> if you'd asked me 25 years ago, if I would be here, I would have laughed at you as well. God is in a life-transforming business, and he does those things so that we can accomplish his plans, all for his glory. And if we're going to have inspiring worship, we've got to understand where our identity lies. And so if we want to have inspiring worship, the first lesson we learned from Cain and Abel is we need to make sure that we understand who we are and what our identity is and what jobs God has for us. The second thing that we need to do is we need to prioritize our giving. We need to prioritize our giving. I don't know uh, if you realize this or not, but the focus of our worship is not receiving. We don't come to worship God so that we can receive from him. We've been created to bring him glory. Remember we talked about when we started this series, we said worship was a sense of bowing down. It's, it's, it's a reverent fear. It's, it's serving. It's, it's public praise. It's reverence. Worship is directed towards God for his benefit, for his glory, and it's all in response to what he has done for us. And so God has blessed us. He has given us. He's called us into a relationship with himself. He's created us for a plan and a purpose. We have an idea, and we are responding to that in worship. And so worship is an attitude of, of giving. You know, what did Cain and Abel do when they got older? When the, when the course of time came, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And then Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And so what did they do? They, they gave they came before God and they, and they gave. You know, this morning we're, we're giving. We're giving of our time. There's a lot of different places you could be this morning, and you're here. You've come to give God your time. You've come to praise him. You're, you're giving of your time. You're, you're giving it your attention. You're giving him your mind. And we're praying that God would transform our hearts. We're giving him our hearts. We're giving him all of us. We give of our tithes and offerings. We give of ourselves as we serve. We give everything to the Lord. And that's what Paul is praying for in Romans 12. He says, I appeal to you, please, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, we are, we are experiencing benefits of worshiping together. We have God's word that transforms our lives. We get to hear music from gifted musicians. We, we get to serve together. We get to, we get to serve kids. We get to encourage one another. We get to greet one another. And so there's, there's benefits of when we come together. Our lives are transformed by the study and the application of God's word in our lives. But inspiring worship happens when we offer up everything and we give. Inspiring worship happens when we're clear about our identity. Inspiring worship happens when we prioritize 
our giving. And that inspiring worship happens when we bring our best. You see, we're not just wanting to bring to God. We don't want to just give him ourselves. We want to give him the best of ourselves. It's not just about giving, but about giving our best. And this, unfortunately, is what most people miss out on. They miss out on the, 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 just the benefits of generosity, of giving God their best in their lives, whether it's time, talents, or resources. When we give God our best, that's when we get to experience genuine, inspiring worship. You know, I've, I've shared this story before, and some of you might have already heard it. I had an opportunity to go over to Uganda, and, and um, the worship service, one of the worship services I was participated in lasted eight hours. I ate. And uh, it was so encouraging. I got there. They were already worshiping on the ground. I got up to teach. How long do you want me to teach? <laughs> long as you want. <laughs> Never heard that before. Be careful. But it was funny because after a while, I'm thinking, wow, I did. I ran out. <laughs> I went and sat down. I said, okay, good. You need to go get some rest because you're back up in about two hours. I went, back up? What do you mean back up? But their worship service was such that when, they, when their people were bringing their tithes and offerings and they were bringing, you know, they were bringing chickens. There was a place, there was a place where you put your chickens and your fruit and, and people were coming. They brought their offerings to the front. They didn't drop it off in the back. They didn't put it in a basket. They, didn't, they, they all brought it to the front. And while they were doing it, that they were actually dancing. And I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I've never, it was so, that was an inspiring worship service. Those people were not just giving, but they were giving their best. And there's something about what happens when we give God his rightful place in our life. He honors that. You know, it's interesting to think about how God replied to these two different offerings. We know Cain brought to the Lord an offering, and we know that Abel brought an offering. But the Lord had regard for Abel's and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. You know, why did God prefer Abel's offering? It was because Abel brought what was best. Cain brought an offering from the fruit of the ground. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. He held nothing back, and he brought his firstborn. He brought that, that prized animal the one that was most important to him, the one that helped him get the rest of the flock started. There's something about that firstborn that is, it's just, it's, it's of most importance. And, Cable, and Cain brought an offering. And the language for that means it's almost as if he just brought what was laying around. So Cain went in to offer the Lord and just grabbed whatever was close. Abel brought from the firstborn of his flock. Do you give God your best? Inspiring worship is about not holding back, but about giving God his best in every area of my life, with my time, my talent, my finances, my gifts, whatever, my whole life. That's Paul's prayer. Offer your entire self up as your living act of spiritual worship. Where's everything that I have mine? Do I give God my best or I think, you know what, God, you don't have any idea what I'm up with over here. You know, you, you, you know what my calendar looks like? Small group? You know, do you know how much, do you know how much, you know, do you, do you, know, what, do you know what gas prices are right now? You know, you know, we hold things back for ourselves out of concern instead of stepping out and trusting God with our best. And when we get challenged with that idea, 
that's when we get angry. That's why talking about tithes and offerings is so difficult. I mean, you talk, you want, you want to stir up some trouble. You want to stir up a conversation, start talking to somebody about money. That is the number one problem that churches have. And you know why it's so hard to talk about it? Because we don't talk about it in the right way. It's biblical. We give, we give God our first fruits. We, we bring to God the firstborn. We give to, you know, the government gets theirs right off the top. And so how do we, how, how do we approach everything that we have that's God's? And it's not just our finances, but it's with our calendar. It's our time. It's our, it's our gifts. One of the reasons why we get challenged and one of the reasons why we get angry is because it's like, well, wait a second, this stuff is mine. And that's what's happening to Cain here. It is difficult for us to be able to trust God with every area of our life. But if we're going to experience inspiring worship, not just worship, but inspiring worship, we have to step out and we have to trust God wholly and fully with our lives and in every area of our life. God told Moses in Exodus chapter 13, he said, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the Whoever, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man or beast, is mine. Set it apart. Whatever comes out first, it's mine. And then Moses said, he said to, said to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for a, by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. I want you to do this so that you don't forget me. When we step out fully and trust God with our firstborn, our relationship with him grows. It builds our trust with him, and it helps us to be able to remember what God has accomplished for us. We give God our best because it helps us to, to remember what he's accomplished for us. We don't give God our leftovers. Inspiring worship prioritizes giving, and giving our best is a hard issue. It's a hard issue that every one of us has to work through, and we can bring all of our emotions to God. You know, that's one of the best parts about this story I love. No matter how you're feeling about this, no matter what the struggle is, you can commune with God. See, inspiring worship happens when we're honest with Him and when we engage with Him. Inspiring worship is about engaging. It's about relating. It's about being in communion with a a living, loving God that wants a relationship with you. God did not just create us for fun and run. God did not just leave us the Bible and say, good luck with that one. You know, God wants a relationship with us. We can talk to him through prayer. We listen to him through his word. We have the benefit of being a part of the body of Christ where we can encourage and and equip one another. We can commune with God. We can engage in our relationship with him. Inspiring worship is about engagement. It's not just about observing or participating. It's engaging and being a part of what's happening. Engaging with God is an intentional conversation. It's dependence on the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation with God. Look what happened to Cain in verse 6. Cain was angry. He was angry and his face fell. And what what did the Lord say? Out of compassion, out of love, out of care, he engaged. Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? God cares about what you're going through. You might be angry about something. You might be frustrated. Whatever's causing you those feelings... God can meet you there. You know, we are processing through some things culturally and some things in our community and in our homes and in this body of Christ that are causing us frustration, 
anger, disunity, strife. Why are you that way? If you do well, will you not be accepted? God has a solution for you. If you will turn to me, I will help you. I will accept you. I'll help you work through that. If you try to do it on your own, And in your own strength, sin is crouching out the door. It's desirous for you, but you must overcome it. It's to your benefit to work through this. Otherwise, there's a cost. And if if we do well and work through it with God, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, our prayer gathering in two weeks on Tuesday, it's an important part of who we are together as we seek what God has for us. It's an important part of our community together as we want to enjoy our communion and our conversations with God. I love the conversation that God's having here with Cain. He wants to talk with him. And I love the two choices. You know, it's up to you. If you do well, if you, if you, if you lean towards me, if you, if you get better, bring a better offering next time. I'm sorry I didn't like your offering. You want it? Bring a better one next time. He didn't throw him out in the cold. If you want to do better, you do well. It will be accepted, you know, so just grow. Spiritual growth. But if you sit back and you don't do anything, that's where sin's going to get you. It's going to crouch at the door. You're going to get angry. It's desirous for you. Jane puts it this way. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by what? His own desire. Are we living for God or living for ourselves? Each person is tempted when he's enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. By Abel. Because Cain went the ways of his own desire. Cain did not seek the Lord. Cain did not trust God. And exactly what happened to Cain, his entire des- enticed him, he gave birth to sin, and he was cursed. You know, when it comes to our worship, and it comes to how we offer ourselves and what we bring to us, there's a choice. Every one of us has a choice to make. We can be passive participants or we can offer ourselves up fully. If we're going to have inspiring worship, if you want to experience inspiring worship, it is your choice as to whether or not you're going to experience that. God gives us the choice. We see the collision of the sovereignty and the, and the foreknowledge of God and out of his love for us, giving us the ability to participate in those decisions with him. We get to choose. But God is sovereign. He knows what we're going to choose. But out of his love, his compassion, and his care for us, we get to participate in that. And we get to choose. And if you want to experience inspiring worship, you need to make that choice. If you do well, will, you, will it not be accepted? If you do not do well, you're on your own. The scripture teaches us that no one comes to Christ unless the Spirit of God is drawing him into a relationship with himself. God knows. God knows who's going to accept and who doesn't. But we don't. And so our ministry is designed around trying to figure out it's about being available for people that have questions about God and the Bible. Every person that comes in asking questions about God and the Bible and wanting to know more about how to grow spiritually, that, that's the Spirit of God working in their life. And so we have the responsibility of just helping them to take those steps towards growth. Our, our ministry exists to build passionate disciples. Passionate disciples are, are people that are learning to do well. They want to grow. And not so that they can work their way into acceptance because that's what Christ has already done for us. We're not trying to work our way to salvation. 
We're trying to work our way into experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus promised us in John 10.10. I came so that they can have life and they can have it to the full. And we get to choose that. And so when somebody walks out, I go, oh, I just didn't feel it this morning. My real question is, well, what did you bring? You know, we get to choose how we participate in our worship. Paul says there's no temptation that is overtaking you that's not common to man. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what's going on in your life, somebody else has already been through it. <laughs> Jesus has been through it. We, 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 serve a, we serve a Lord that can identify with us in every way what we're going through. If you think you have it bad, just call me when you find yourself hanging up on a cross with some nails driven in your hand trying to gasp for your breath before you die. Jesus understands what we're going through. There's no temptation that has overtaken you that's not common to man. You're, you're unique. You are, you're unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he provides a way of escape so that you might be able to endure it. And so you have a choice. You might not think you have a choice, but you do. And so we just need to choose the right thing to do. We need to encourage one another. If we are going to experience inspiring worship, the way that God has intended for us. We've got to understand who we've created, been created to be. We've got to prioritize giving. We have to bring our best, and we have to engage with a living God that wants a relationship with us, and we have to make the choice to do that. Ephesians two eighteen through 20 says this, For through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. You have direct access to God. The Father that created you wants a relationship with you. You have direct access to him through Jesus Christ. You're no longer strangers and aliens. You know, Cain is cursed. He's thrown out. He's out on his own. You don't have to live like Cain. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Our hope is that we have in Christ all that we need to experience inspiring worship as God has intended. I know if you've been around Springbrook for a while, I know you know Ephesians 2.10. We did that last week. That's, I love that verse. You know, some of these verses that you've already, you know, that we just kind of went through, maybe you've memorized those, you, maybe you've heard those. I want to ask you to pray with me that we would live those out together, that our congregation would be known for being a place where people can encounter a living God, that our worship would be inspiring and, and that the Spirit of God would work in and through us so that others would be added to their number daily, those that are saved. I'd be praying that God would go before us as we seek to reach and administer to our community, that we would be intentional about building up our body of Christ. This year, <clears throat> we've been praying for a sense of awe in our congregation. That's, that's my prayer. It's the prayer, you know, Bethany and I pray about that for our worship team. I hope our leaders are praying about that. We talk about that for our leadership gathering that verse set us up for the year. I'm praying for a sense of awe that God will use. It's that sense of awe that's going to get us through whatever we're going through right now. Because I guarantee you, we're going through some stuff right now. And it's coming up next week. It's coming up the week after. We've got we to gotta deal, deal with these things. And there's, I mean, and that's, 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 that's nothing. I mean, there's, there's stuff happening. And you know what? If, we are, if we're on the same page with who we are in Christ, I guarantee you this mask will not be an issue. The vaccines will not be an issue. Our ability to serve one another, 
our ability to minister to one another will not be an issue. We've got to be united if we're going to accomplish all that God has for us together. So please be praying for that. And if you're new to Springbrook, maybe you're new to the area, maybe you're checking out churches, maybe it's your first time with us online this morning, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know about this church. I'm so glad you are with us this morning because I want you to know what worship means to us at Springbrook. It's not just a public event. You could be, you could go to the, there's a lot of clubs that you can belong to, trust me. You got to have a club card to get into, I love Costco. So you could be a member of the Costco club. I'm a member of the gym. I got a good deal on that one. It only cost me five bucks a month. I need to get there more often. There's a lot of different clubs that you can be a part of. There's a lot of things you can do with your time. There's a lot of organizations that you can partner with. There's a lot of things that you could be doing other than being here. But, but this is what Springbrook's about. We're about giving God our unfocused, undivided attention and trusting him with every area of our life. And if you're checking out churches, if you're looking for a place to get connected and you want to grow, then this is the church for you. And so I just want to pray that um, God would continue to strengthen us that God would unite us in what he'd have for us as we move through this year. You know, we're, um, this, is, this is the end of August. <laughs> we got September coming, and uh, we're getting ready to start working on our budgets. Um, we're working on our plans for Christmas, and I'm already working on the schedule for next year. You know, 2022 is going to be a great year. I mean, my, my mind's in 2022. Time is just going so fast. I pray that you would stop with me, that we would wait on what God has for us today, and that we'd be able to experience the fullness of that life that Jesus promises today, and that we'd be able to worship him in a way that our worship is truly inspiring. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this day you've given us today, and uh, thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ. Uh, God, I thank you for the lessons uh, that we can learn um, from those that have gone before us. Uh, God, help us to learn from them, <laughs> not just to be hearers of the word, but doers. And uh, God, I just thank you for your faithfulness, for your hand on this ministry. Uh, God, I thank you for um, our elders, for our leaders, for our congregation. God, you have been so faithful to this church the last year and a half, and we just continue to pray that you would go before us, God, so that we can accomplish all that you have for us together. And I thank you that uh, we could just come together to worship you this morning. I pray that our worship is inspiring, that people will have a sense of your presence in their life, and there's a sense of awe. And uh, God, we just commit this day to you. We look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.